What's up, Fight fans, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Mat here on Final Timeout Sports. I am Forbes here solo doing a very special episode of The Mat. If you're looking for the UFC card breakdown for this card coming up on Saturday, that is going to come out later this week on Friday. This podcast here is for all the fans out there who are looking to get a little more UFC info, learn a little more about the sport, get into it a bit more. This podcast is going to be a special breakdown of the UFC and MMA. So, without further ado, I'm going to get into a little bit of the history of the UFC. So, Ultimate Fighting Championship, or UFC, is the premier mixed martial arts or MMA competition uh, in the world. It hosts sorts, all sorts of fighters with all sorts of different um, training techniques and styles. The core concept of the UFC is to find who is the ultimate fighter in the world and also what is the ultimate fighting style in the entire world. Um, so it was founded in 1993, um, and there were hardly any rules or regulations, and it was actually banned and illegal to host UFC events in a lot of states. So kind of from the get-go, it was really hard for the UFC to have any type of sustainable business model um, and growth. Um, in addition to that, they were behind a pay-per-view wall which essentially means that to watch the UFC, you have to purchase a special package. Um, this is because no major um, sports network or TV network wanted to have the UFC on public TV, that type of um, sporting event, which had been called by members of Congress um, human cockfighting. Uh, so the UFC struggled to really be successful and grows a company uh, for a couple of years. And in 2001, it was sold uh, actually for $2 million. Um, it was under new management. And that's when uh, big bald baby Dana White, the um, head honcho, kind of took over as president. And it really turned the, the company and the sport itself around. Um, one thing that Dana White was able to do was he actually was able to make a deal with a major TV network. He made a deal with Spike TV uh, to host the UFC, and he was able to do this by turning the UFC into a reality show uh, called The Ultimate Fighter. And the concept of The Ultimate Fighter was that they get a bunch of aspiring UFC fighters, kind of put them in a house, they all live together, um, and then they train on two teams, each coached by a current UFC fighter, usually a champion and a challenger. And a fighters get eliminated as the weeks go on uh, until there's a final fight and the winner of that final fight gets a six-figure contract uh, with the UFC and essentially gets to you know join the UFC and, and fulfill their dreams and then the two coaches would then fight at the end of the season as well so he turned it into a reality TV show that made it more than just guys going in there and beating the crap out of each other and gave it a different type of appeal. So, of course, there were still UFC events going on most Saturdays with current UFC fighters, along with the Ultimate Fighter show. So Dana White and UFC still also had to contend with the fact that the UFC was banned uh, from being hosted in a lot of states. So to try and combat this, um, they actually ran towards the side of regulation. They tried to make the sport, you know, not as barbaric and, and maybe a little bit more respectable um, so that helped to grow the UFC a massive amount um, and in 2016 the UFC was sold for four billion dollars so remember in 2001 it was bought for two million 
2016 sold for 16 million. So they did pretty well for themselves. Dana White remained the president um, and has continued to grow the UFC immensely. Um, UFC events happen every Saturday night. Uh, they're usually on ESPN, ESPN Plus, uh, or sometimes through pay-per-view if there's a title fight. Um, and in addition, actually, this past weekend, I believe, was the first time that there was a main card on ABC, which is a huge step to have um, a main card be on a major network, uh, which is especially big for an organization that has largely operated behind a pay-per-view wall since its inception. So that's kind of a brief history on the UFC, and now I'm going to get into kind of the structure of the UFC and maybe talk about some important players of the game and people who kind of have helped shape the UFC into what it is today. So all UFC fighters are split up by weight because, you know, obviously you can have some guy weighing 225 fighting a fighter who's 135 or something like that. So there are eight men's weight classes and four women's classes. The men's classes are flyweight, which is 125 pounds. The champ, Davison, god of war, Figueiredo. Uh, bantamweight is 135 pounds. The champ is Aljamain Sterling. Featherweight is 145 pounds with champ Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. The lightweight division is 155 pounds, and that belt is actually vacant at the moment, and I'll get into what that means a little later, although most would agree with me that the champ has a name, and that name is Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Now, the welterweight division is 170 pounds with champ Kamara Usman. Middleweight is 185 pounds with champ Israel, the last style runner. Adesanya. The light heavyweight uh, division is 205 pounds with new champ Yuri Prochaska. Uh, and the heavyweight division is 265 pounds with champ Francis Ngannou. Um, the women's divisions are strawweight, which is 115 pounds with champ Carla Esparza. Flyweight, 125 pounds, champ Valentino Shevchenko. Uh, bantamweight is 135 pounds, champ Juliana Pena. Uh, and featherweight is 145 pounds uh, with champ Amanda Nunez. Um, and the way that these divisions work is there's generally a top 15 uh, ranking in each division, and then a champion who sits on top of that, uh, those 15 fighters. Um, although in the featherweight division uh, for the women, Amanda Nunes is just about the only fighter in that division as the division was created for her. In addition to that, there is also the pound-for-pound pound ranking, which ranks just the best fighters overall, no matter the weight class, kind of just who's the most effective striker, grappler, wrestler, uh, submission artist. So that's also a very interesting uh, set of rankings to look at. So now to get into the actual makeup of the UFC fight. Each UFC fight is three five-minute rounds, unless it is a title fight or the main fight on a UFC card. In that case, it is five five-minute rounds. So there are a couple different ways that a UFC fight can end. Uh, one is that the fighter just gets knocked out and clearly can't continue. Uh, that's, that's ruled a knockout. And then there's also uh, a technical knockout, which is a knockout that is stopped by the referee when he uh, deems that the fighter can't continue to fight um, or simply shouldn't. Another way that a fight can be stopped is by submission. Um, now, a submission stoppage is when a fighter is put in a hold or chokehold or some type of arm bar 
and either taps out himself, uh, which is when the fighter will, you know, tap his hand on the fight, the other fighter or on the mat to get the fight to stop. Or if, say, it's some type of chokehold, then the ref can step in if he sees that the fighter is unconscious or about to go, uh, become unconscious. Finally, if neither of those things happen and a fight goes the distance, um, all three or five rounds, then there are three judges who give scoring cards um, and have a winner by unanimous or split decision, unanimous 3-0 split decision 2-1. Now, there are a lot of things that go into the scoring of a fight if it does indeed go the distance. Um, Strikes landed, um, significant strikes landed. A significant strike is a strike that lands cleanly or lands especially hard. Um, knockdowns are very important, which is when, say, you know, I hit my opponent with some type of punch and he hits the ground or falls, then that's a knockdown. Takedowns are also an important statistic uh, when you use some type of wrestling or grappling move to take your opponent down to the mat. Um, although it is also very important that you then do damage from that takedown rather than just kind of have control. Um, And lastly, overall octagon control is an important thing that judges consider who is the one who's always moving forward, who's controlling the center of the octagon, and who's kind of just going around the edges and and avoiding. There's one more way that a fight can end, and that is by disqualification. And that happens when uh, one fighter breaks the rule, makes an illegal type of kick or an illegal move, um, and his opponent cannot continue. And in that case, that fighter is disqualified and the opponent is victorious. Uh, There are a lot of different types of rules that you can break that can lead to disqualification, and I'll kind of go through a couple of them here. Two kind of most common ones that we see right now, um, the biggest and most painful one for a lot of us would be the the groin kick. Um, That's been illegal for quite some time, and obviously every fighter wears a cup, but if you catch, you know, a clean kick to the groin, it can be very painful. Um, And then the other most common one is an eye poke. A lot of times guys try and go for hand control when they're standing up and grappling, um, and that can lead to fingers really extended that make their way into guys' eyes. Even if it's accidental, it's extremely painful. Um, And for any type of illegal strike, uh, the person who's hit with it has a five-minute time to recover. Um, And if they can't or if a ringside doctor deems it that they should not continue, uh, then, yeah, the fight is over. Uh, The person who committed the illegal strike disqualified his opponent wins. Another thing that's pretty closely monitored is the fighter's vision. Um, So if you have a fighter who has been hit a lot on the right side of his face and his right eye is really swollen and his vision is impaired, they'll stop the fight potentially um, because that can be very dangerous and uh, someone can get hit with a really, really bad strike if you can't really see anymore, obviously. Um, So that's another thing is they have a ringside doctor who will examine people. Um, Another thing is eye cuts or cuts right above the eye, the eyebrow, um, that can bleed over into the eye and impair the vision. That's also something that can lead to a doctor stoppage. Now, the last fairly important rule that I'll bring up uh, is the three points of contact rule. And that rule is that if you have three points of contact with the mat, so say both your feet um, and your hand, you can't be kneed or kicked in the head. Um, Now, 
this has been used as a strategy for some people who say they're up against the fence and they just you know have one hand down leaned over and they can avoid getting kicked or kneed in the head um, but it's mainly to protect fighters who have gone down um, and are susceptible just to really brutal and almost barbaric um, headshots and so like I said we've seen these uh, disqualifications happen a bunch I'd say the most significant one happened last year during the bantamweight um, title fight w- between Peter Jan and Aljamain Sterling. Um, Peter Jan was winning the fight and then committed a pretty egregious knee to the head while Aljamain had three points of contact um, on the mat. Peter was disqualified after Aljamain could not continue, and that's how Aljamain initially um, became champion of the bantamweight division. Now he uh, has defended his belt against Peter Jan and avenge that. So he's now um, a more distinguished champion, you might say. But um, this stuff does happen. The I would say the eye pokes and the groin strikes are the most common, um, followed by potential doctor stoppages and then legal strikes, as in the three-point of contact rule and things like that. So I mentioned earlier the vacant belt, and there are a couple reasons why this might happen. I mentioned earlier the vacant belt, uh, and there are a couple reasons why this can happen. Um, One reason why is that the person holding the belt for that division can um, vacate the belt, say, you know, I don't want to keep defending this, either I'm retiring or I want to do something else, um, and they leave that open for someone else to come in and win. Um, Another way that the belt is vacated is if a fighter misses weight, so Right now in the lightweight division, the belt is vacant because um, prior to the last title fight between Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje, um, Charles Oliveira missed weight. He weighed in at 140, or sorry, 155 and a half pounds, and the weight limit uh, is 155 pounds, which is pretty unfortunate. Um, He was still allowed to fight, but when he won, he wasn't eligible to win the belt. He still remains the number one contender. Uh, but he isn't technically the champion. And then later this year, he'll have the chance to fight and regain his belt. God willing, he he makes weight. Now, there are a lot of really important people who have helped build and grow the sport of MMA and UFC as an organization. Just a couple of people, I would say Chuck Liddell, uh, Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz, George St. Pierre, John Jones, um, Conor McGregor, those people have helped really build the UFC into the international organization that it is today. Um, if you want a whole lot more background that I could give you on the UFC, I would recommend checking out the ESPN 30 for 30, uh, Liddell versus Ortiz on ESPN plus it's incredible. It gets me fired up and want to watch fighting every single time. Um, and really gives you details on how the UFC was formed and grew as a sport in the U.S. and internationally. So that's all I have for you today. I hope that this was helpful, giving you a bit of background on the history and the structure of the UFC. Uh, I hope you all tune in on Friday for our weekly UFC card breakdown.